You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Long Yak with Saya, Anissa, and Boroma. Hi, I'm Anissa. This yak will squee and rant and try to wax eloquent about what we've been watching over the last month, plus our usual compliment of dad jokes. This podcast is a project for the fandom by the fandom. So if you want to help us out, you can do it in a lot of ways. You can share our episodes, talk about the podcast to friends who love dramas, leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app of your preference. All of that helps us grow. And if you want to help keep our lights on, you can check out patreon.com slash dramas over flowers. Finally, you can get in touch with us with your thoughts and ideas. We're always reading the comments on YouTube and Drama Beans. But you can also tweet at us at dramasoverflow or email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. Enjoy the episode! Hi everyone, this is Saya. This is Anissa. And this is Parma. How's everyone doing, guys? I just finished midterms. And got a cold. <laughs> yeah, and I got a bad cold as soon as I had a break, so... And before we hit record, you were telling us about your brains running out of your nose for three days, which is really painful sounding. Def- definitely a detail that our listeners want to hear about. <laughs> Why not? I'm sure other people are suffering and want to know that they're not alone. Yeah, solidarity in your late summer colds because exactly. um, it was 100 degrees here four days ago. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Well, I'm just going to talk about the weather because I'm English. <laughs> and we are nothing without our weather talk so basically we had this lovely like autumn type of like summer sort of late summer cooling down and then the second it turned first of october but it basically became winter i'm dismayed autumn is my favorite i'm very sad so we're losing our season well just basically we've just lost autumn like the last three or four years and i like autumn is my favorite season and it gets shorter and shorter every year and this year we didn't have any at all who can i take my complaints to but otherwise i'm well how about you Pete? uh how was your holiday did we talk about that my holiday was pretty great but um the thing about being a freelancer is that you don't really get a holiday you just like postpone the work mm-hmm. and you have to come back and do everything yeah so you have to pay for the time that you took off oh. yeah but was it much. worth it i think it was totally worth it but it's just um i thought that making up for the work i didn't do in that week i thought this the, it would be done by now but yeah no i'm still i'm still paying if this feels like penance somehow but no <laughs> oh that's that's so sad yeah don't feel like that you deserve it plus how else would you have discovered our spiritual home that is true we found a cafe for yaks so, <laughs> yak cafe. Yeah. so, so now it's our goal to sort of go there one day and just record a session there right yeah it's never gonna happen it's a nice idea i want to ask you are there any actual yaks in that area god no (laughs) i'm so disappointed oh i assumed there would be i guess we're gonna have to go to like mongolia or something it's not high enough in the himalayas there it's kind of yeah but there are a lot of buddhist monks 
not quite the same thing. Yeah, I'm not sure where I was going with that. <laughs> it's cool, but it's kind of unrelated. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking of them, we should probably start talking about the drama that we all three of us are watching and all three of us have loved and it's just ended and oh my god, I miss it so much already. It's rookie historian Guherang. Did we all finish this? I forced okay. myself to finish even though I didn't want to so that I would be able to talk about it. You know when you get to that point in a drama where you're like, I like this so much that I can't bring myself to watch like the last, it was like the last three episodes or something, I just couldn't bring myself to watch them. And then I made myself watch them like homework and I mean I enjoyed it and I didn't enjoy it because one, I didn't want to watch it and two, I was loving watching it and three, it was about to be over and then it was over and then it was the end and then now it's never yeah. going to be there again. It's gone forever. It was such a good drama. Like, beginning to end, I have no complaints about it. I just, I loved all of it. Me neither. Yeah, I, like, forced myself to have a couple of minor quibbles in my finale recap because I felt like I didn't want to be, like, too just... Gushy. Yeah, but I was like, eh, it's not really a big deal. (laughs) You don't have to. You don't have to criticize things if you don't want to. I haven't had a chance to read your recap yet. Um, If you want to share your quibbles, we can disagree at least. Honestly, they were so minor that I don't, I just had like a couple sentences acknowledging that somebody might have an issue, but I was like, eh, it was a blip. There were blips. So <laughs> I don't feel they're worth mentioning. Okay, cool. So who wants to go first? Wait, wait, wait. We're going to spoil the ending, just FYI. We're going to talk about the ending since we all watched it, um, and we probably won't have a chance to do a in-depth spoiler yak on this, so um, we're going to talk about the ending, so. So what did you guys think of um, how uh, Heryong's arc ended and the prince and um, what's his name? Uh, Sahi is. Was it Sahi her name? Sahi as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should say up front that let's put realism aside because um, I, I think I tweeted at some point that this is like the best Sagyuk I've ever had the pleasure of watching because it was like perfect from beginning to end. Like there are plenty of Sagyuks you start watching and it's amazing and then it just can't hold till the end. Mm. Um, this one did not have that issue. And uh, a couple of people came back at me with, uh, this is not a Sagyuk, it's a fusion Sagyuk. It's not realistic. And I would like to have that Sagyuk <laughs> pointed out to me, which is completely realistic. I mean, well, really, it, throw one at me. It's it's not meant, it's, it's a drama. It's not meant to be. Like, what about drama is realistic? Like, very little. What you go for is emotional realism, not like cinematic realism. And also, um, like, don't ding something for something that it's not even trying to do. Like, exactly. it's, a, it's up front. It's very much a fusion saga. Like, they never claimed that they were recreating history. Like, everybody knows that there weren't actually female historians in Joseon. Like, that's not a thing that you can criticize a show for if it wasn't even trying to do that in the first it's place. It's not even fit itself into, like, you know, the dynastic, uh, what's it called? Has it? Timeline. Right. Yeah. So it's like it is a fan- it is like essentially a fantasy history, which is exactly what a fusion saga is. So that's that's not a valid criticism, I think. Yeah. So which is why how the story ended, uh, like we can't. Cr- at least I don't think because the 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 story's premise is is firmly in an alternate history fantasy kind of genre, you can't criticize the ending for being unrealistic 
because I've I've heard that being tossed around. I thought it was perfect. Well, what part of it was realistic to begin with? I suppose the part where like the coup happened in the previous generation that was pretty much like it has happened in different times of history, like where a a king's intention has been misunderstood by his subjects and uninformed, you know, uh, prejudiced people have flamed the fire of misinformation and then uh, a coup happened and, and, and a legitimate coup was toppled. That aspect of it is pretty realistic. Also, the way historians were portrayed was pretty realistic in that you did have... you. Okay, you guys, please forgive me for like the the weird like knocking sounds that keeps happening. Is because my cat has decided he has to sit on my lap and he keeps like batting at the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the historians were portrayed pretty accurately in that the ethics of their work was portrayed pretty realistically. There were historians who were uh, who had falsified history. There were historians who defended history. That's how they have the annals, the way they've been handed to the current generation. It's you can't expect that you know centuries of historians have never ever stepped on the wrong path. But the discussions of morality, of when it's right for you to exempt something from your records, when it's not right, how much power the ruler should have over the historians, should the historians have powers to influence the the rulers, all of these things were were taken from real history. So, you know, I mean, from for that that aspect of it it's all very realistic um in that way you're still reading in like you're you're producing an interpretation of the evidence that you have from that history like you have the annals and maybe you have the daily records and you know i'm not familiar with what's actually available in like the uh, korean archives but you still only have that written record you don't know necessarily how much of that is or isn't authentic you are making an interpretation based on the material uh, do you guys remember that there, uh, towards the end, uh, and because this, we are doing a spoiler discussion, sorry guys if you haven't uh, finished watching this drama, towards the end there is a discussion of here is what happened, possibly happened 20 years ago, and Guherong has this conversation with scholar Kim where she's like, we need to tell people. And uh, it, during that conversation, Kim tells her that what we usually do is that if there is a dispute about what happened, we we keep the annals as they are and we keep a copy of the alternate version so that yeah. future generations can judge what has been you know if if which which one of these things is the actual truth right that was scholar min actually those min sorry one. scholar min it is a more idealistic saga in that things end much more happily than they would in real history but then also it tackles really real issues that are relevant you know to any time period, because you do have those questions of like, how do you speak truth in the face of absolute power? What do you do when you have a professional duty and a moral duty and they don't line up? Like, what do you what do you do when one voice isn't enough and the only option is to unite with a whole bunch of other voices? Otherwise, you're just going to be crushed. Um, and it's really, I just love how it portrays the process of making history. And I mean, I'm a history nerd. And I, I mean, I, and I think I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm taking a course this semester about archiving and how and about like who makes the archive, what gets left out of the archive, 
what gets put in, how do you make those decisions? How do you look at the archive once it's finished? And it's not, you know, a neutral document. So it was really cool, you know, to hear about how they dealt with that, like having conflicting accounts and putting them both in there and letting future generations judge. And then like Haeryang's speech at the end where she tells the king, um, you know, like he's a, like, there's a sword at her throat and she was like, you can cut off my head, but somebody else is going to take my place and you can kill that person. And another historian will take their place and you could kill all of the historians and you could take away all our paper and our brushes, but people are still going to pass down what happened. So like that was really, maybe in real life she would have gotten killed anyway, but that's not the point. The point is the message, right? The point is like, what is the drama trying to say about history and truth and justice and, you know, stories and how powerful they can be. And I loved that about it. That was probably the sort of most magnificent moment of the drama. Oh, it was so good. And I changed my Twitter header after, for the first time, I think, to that moment. <laughs> because it was, yeah. The, um, the reason that I, I have a problem with the argument that it's not realistic is, I mean, as a consumer of speculative fiction my entire life, it's something that you get a lot. Um, you know, like, for example, I read fantasy. Fantasy is my favorite genre in, in any medium. So, like, you hear this a lot. Uh, where people are like, oh, but it's not realistic, it's not realistic. But then, like, the things that you described, those are all, like, you know, they make up the pillars of fantasy and speculative fiction because they are, they're, like, ascent they're universal human things, like, you know, seeking truth and balancing power and, um, you know, uh, pursuing justice. All of those things are, like, human universals that don't require uh, a context of absolute realism. Like, you can have those, they're, they're like themes that spread out, like, regardless of genre. Which is why, like, I just, uh, I have trouble with that that particular accusation of, oh, it's not realistic. L like, because it is realistic, it may not have the, uh, what do you call it, um, the, uh, what, do you, what am I trying to say? It might not have all of the um, like pieces and players that you recognize from your everyday world, but the actual features um, and themes and issues and problems and resolutions, they're all like, they transcend genre. And I think what was really good about this drama as well was that it wasn't just the themes that were really high-minded and interesting and, you know, well-established and well-explored, but the relationships felt so real and organic and they they really grounded the more fantastical elements, you know? So we have, okay, you have four female rookie historians, but then the kind of the way that they go into the Office of Royal Decrees and the relationships they build with their sambays and, like, you know, the way that Yang becomes their mom, kind of, and, you know, like the way that they all rise up against the idea that they're going to be silenced and everything about the relationships, the, the love story, although I know that a lot of people were like, uh, Chan Wu, but I thought he was, I thought he was fine. I really loved their love story. 
Um, oh, and the thing that I liked the most about like the the character dynamic between those two is that like Haryong is kind of like the the knight, and um, the prince is like the princess. He's so like the fact that they put that story in there, it kind of it said to me that they, they were well aware of the dynamic the dynamic that they'd set up with mm. you know, with her being like the traditional male hero and him being the traditional female heroine, you know? And he the fact that, you know, like um you said last time that he was this supportive character, um but that also, and and he got his little um, hero's arc as well, yeah. and I love that too because, like you know, they didn't just leave him to languish being this like damsel. He actually got to have his own story, and it didn't eclipse or overshadow um, like Harryong's like yeah. wider story either. So like he got his day, and I love that he got his day. <laughs> I thought the romance was really well done. I miss the fact that it was a Nuna romance. Like yes! for a better part of the drama, I didn't even. <laughs> I was going to say that too. <laughs> and because she's like 26, right? And he's 20. Yeah, and you're like, this 20. is so like. And because also, if you think historically as well, I'm thinking of European royalty. Age doesn't like status trumps age. Yeah. And that's probably true. true in any royal family. You know, you have these, like, six-year-olds being married to, like, a, you know, 30-year-old somebody, like, man or woman. It doesn't really matter. It's just about, like, preserving bloodlines and all of that. So, but um, obviously that's not that the case here. But I enjoyed but that I mean, it was But, I mean, they were pretty epic. explicit about her being, like, you know, on the shelf or whatever, like, mm. beyond but all those offensive words of women no, <laughs> but once the two of them started interacting, there was no mention of age. Nobody who found out about their relationship exclaimed about it. So it was like such a, you know, like it, it was just put in the back burner. So you focus more on the development of their relationship and their di- dynamic. And the fact that I, wh- wh- what I really enjoyed about their relationship was that you knew that Guerong was the more practical one of the two of them, the one who thought things out. The one who like, and of course she would be the one to make the noble sacrifice when it, you know, when it came between the two of them because Chayun was, uh, what was his name? Uh, Yirim. Yeah. Yirim was a more impulsive, like he, he like heart on his sleeves. Like he played the young, um, you know, like deeply in love. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he did that really well. Like it did follow the beats of a Nuna romance in that oh, sense. Oh, ab- absolutely. And and while and I and I love that there were there were times when uh, the plot was moving and Guerong was investigating something or she was bo- bothered about something. And here Yirim is sitting in his little cottage and he's like just dreaming about her. <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, oh, we're gonna get married and live in this little house <laughs> and we're gonna be so happy. Meanwhile, she's like solving. Also, I love that, like her objection to um, the relation, the marriage, I suppose, isn't because of like um, external obstacles. It's because she knew herself, and like she could see the ways in which she might end up changing in a in a way that would be bad for both of them. Exactly, and like sought to forestall that. But I mean, at the same time, uh, see, this is the, it's the quandary of the Nuna, isn't it? Is that you can go along with it, but then you risk more. She risks more. So 
it was just really, really well done. Like that point where she's like, I don't trust myself. And again, it's a classic Nuna Romance beat, but it always, like, it always hits really hard. Mm. Yeah. And also because it was not just that she, um, she was making this up just to push him away. Like you said, everything she, her argument for pushing him, him away was legitimate. She was afraid that if he gave up his, like he, he was willing to give up his princely life and run away with her. And she's like, fine, but you're pretty much worthless. So um, I'm going to start resenting you after a while. <laughs> I mean, come on. I would have to give up my life as a historian. I just got independence and, and a sense of self-worth through this job. Yeah. I'll have to give this up. It's precious to me. I'll have to give it up. I don't want to. She clearly didn't want to marry. She had mm. she was getting married to such a nice guy. And she was like, please, was like, like, the guy just, who would like, basically dump me? do everything that yeah. she wanted. Yeah. And 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 he and and she was like, please dump me. And the guy is like, but but why? But I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but he was, was such a puppy. Yeah, it was, it so was still like heartrending as well because it's like they were both yeah. so hurt by it anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. But it was it was very sweet. Like the entire arc was really. I like that the that gentleman made made a. Uh, he came back to play a, a part in a, a later plot again. I mean, I like that. Um, but it's just that. Guhirong, when she said that she didn't want to marry, it's not that she was waiting for the right man, exactly. which is what many stories would have done. Instead, in this one, she had already found what she wanted to do, which is be a historian. This this was what she wanted. And the to Yirim's credit, after she had like after they had that whole, you know, sort of break up for a while, and then you know, towards the end, he he didn't bring up you know, immediately, hey, now we are back together, let's get married. He understood that her arguments were legitimate and he went along with it. And they, I mean, I, I love the ending. It, it really, really worked for me. Yeah, it was, it was nice. It was like, even though everyone had their own little like neat tied up ending, it worked so well. And mm -hmm. I was so happy to see everyone in their proper places. Oh, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about um, how the last kind of arc, it deals a lot with people's relationships with their fathers and or their father figures. And a really, mm. I liked how it kind of tied together, you know, Wuan's relationship with Counselor Min and how he had to deal with this like disappointment and heartbreak that he'd never really faced up to about who his father used to be and who he is now. Mm. And then making the decision to go against him anyway and, you know, like really plant his feet in who he was as a historian. And then Haeryoung, even though like we had no indication that she even remembered anything about her past, that was like mm -hmm. the only minor, one of the only minor things. I was just like, really? <laughs> You've been on the run this whole time? Really? But she also kind of was like, you know, her Oraboni was like, you can't be involved in this. It's too dangerous. And then eventually she was just like, he was my father. Like, why are you excluding me from this? I'm involved. I'm going to be part of the plan. Like, listen up. Here's the info that you need. So that was cool. And her kind of that scene where she's like, did you just take me in out of out of guilt? And then later on, he's like, it wasn't guilt. You've always been my sister. And she was like, and you'll always be my brother. And I was like, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was really. And then, you know, um, Rim, like, finally facing up to his father figure and being like, you're not my father. My father is named, you know. Gyeom, and I'm mm -hmm. not 
the name that you gave me. Just like that moment was also really powerful. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I agree. It's it's the relationships portrayed in this drama, and it was all relationship based. This drama, it was just, you know, there are some some dramas that sacrifice relationships just to get the plot going. This one did not make that mistake. No, it did not. And yet, it still managed to carry its plot points that it wanted to. Yeah, to do. absolutely. Yeah, because um, I was thinking of like you know Moonlight Drawn by Clouds, which is a drama that I loved. But also it fell down in its uh, third quarter, I would say, mm. where it just, it, like it had started so many things it didn't finish. And then it just, um, it went all in on its, uh, what do you call it? Because um, this was fully pre-produced as well, isn't it? So it wasn't swayed by ratings. It was like, it told the story it set out to tell. Whereas with something like Moonlight Drawn by Clouds, which again was such a good drama and could have been so much better if not for that part in the middle where it just like abandoned everything and just went for the romance because that's what viewers were lapping up. Yeah. Um, it, it's like a, an object lesson of what could have been. Whereas this is like, this is what it could have been. It could have been this good. True. I, I was constantly surprised by how well they were... Um giving us information in this drama like uh they they had made sure that the foreshadowing was good enough that most uh viewers had already figured out many of the threads but then when they were revealed they were not shocking but they were not a complete like it's not like you'd figured out the entire story mm. so when the reveal happened towards the uh, end of the drama ab about like or oh, how all all of them were connected and most importantly how oraboni's betrayal had happened like how how he had done it like because we knew from practically the second episode that he had betrayed someone but not how and it just all of that stuff came together really well i think they did a very good job of spreading sprinkling the information throughout the drama instead of just like info dumping at any point and yeah and I just I, I like the character inspirations. Sorry, <laughs> I just looked it up again because I don't know why I forgot this. But the screenwriter Kim Husu was the screenwriter for Solomon's Perjury, so good track record. Excellent, the dialogue excellent drama. was the dialogue was amazing. Like it I don't want to really. leave this without saying how much I love the dialogue. I've got so much, like so many quotes that I've just saved from the show. Like so, so, so many. Yeah. <laughs> they were just. Yeah, I yeah, agree. They're really good. And again, in Shin Sekyung's voice, um, whenever she would deliver her monologues, and she got quite a lot of monologues, um, I could just sit there and listen to her talk for a very yeah. long time. She gave some really good speeches. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if we, again, have to really nitpick um, uh, the resolution of Yurim's dispute with the current king was a bit too pat. Wow, after holding on to the throne for 20 years, all you needed was a bunch of scholars asking you to address an, an issue, and then you do. That was. Yeah, surprising. it was conveniently handled off screen. <laughs> that was like, you know, like Councillor Min was executed off screen. The king, we don't know what happened to him. He's probably dead. Like, we don't know. <laughs> Jake Young has probably been executed. We didn't see that. Like, it was very. Um, it was yeah. a lot of stuff but just again, swept under the rug. I don't think any of us actually cared about that too much, which is why it doesn't really matter. The only thing I suppose I wanted to see a little bit of, but again, I understand why they didn't bother going there, was uh, the crown prince, Yijin. 
like his mm. towards the end where he hesitated to do the right thing because he knew that his father would lose his throne he would lose his uh position and all for what so that yirim who's so young he might have a chance at the throne it was for very likely that uh the evil uh, what's his name a uh, second state councilor dude min he probably would have had yirim murdered so for for the crown prince it was like give up my throne and also lose my brother that so it, i i could see like it's not even that his motives were bad i could see why he would choose not to investigate his father and uh, the councilor because of all the bad things that could happen but also like how deeply like the filial filiality is is Absolutely. so deeply embedded in them it would have been unthinkable to, to have overcome that it's like it's an enormous deprogramming in itself very much so so when that moment when he stood beside yirim during the ceremony and and supported his brother against his father that was that was so monumental and i wish that the brothers had another moment after that is all because yeah. the last interaction between the two of them had been acrimonious so i wanted the two of them to have you know a moment together yeah that's uh, true without then. like halmoni being like you have to take on the throne he's like no she's like no you're the friend i'm just like oh really because like the the normal line in 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 a drama like that would then be that he unwillingly takes up the mantle right and he suddenly has to become a king blah 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 um, but he's like i'm just so unequipped for this and yeah. i don't want it and like, i want to write books exactly. yeah. and here's a person you know jin who is so like he, you know pretty much trained from not birth but like from a young age to be a king and who clearly has kingly qualities already who knows how to govern like it's a no brainer if you think about it logically but you know they don't do these things logically like dynasties don't work that way so it's no. a monarchy there's to... no there's no logic in like hereditary right. rule yeah but you know part of me like the cynical part of me which has read history uh looks at that the fact that they didn't get that final brotherly moment and kind of wonders the crown prince he 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 got to be the king but he only got to be the king because zirim refuse to take on the throne so for the rest of his life yirim will be there the sort of like the king who didn't take the throne you know like like a second king so for in a real dynastic situation or uh, for a real ruler he would be a constant threat so every time he underperforms or or his subjects are unhappy with him his subjects know that there is a king alternative to this guy so there will already always be factions vying to you know kind of like exploit yeah, he would, that he would only be a figurehead for someone else's power uh, uh power grab yes of course but th- that's not the point it's not like yirim will ever take the throne but so long as yirim is out there and everybody knows that he could have taken the throne but didn't he becomes a symbol for factions to rally around if they are unhappy with the current king So, so this for, is the uh, realism that people want. <laughs> so that's 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 a cynical part of my brain. So I'm like is that why they didn't show a final happy moment with the brothers? So yeah. This is not that drama though. No, it's not. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't like it if it was either <clears throat> because it just it wouldn't be the same show. Yeah. So on the whole move on I think. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Oh any Gosh, last words. <laughs> Last words. I'm sad to say goodbye to Guhyeong and all these 
historians. I love their uh, little group of historians. So, so good. Yeah, me too. I've become very fond of them and I'm going to miss the episodes a lot. I, I think I'm going to uh, rewatch this in a while because it's one of those uh, stories where, you know, you don't, you, you're not expecting to be bored because you know what comes next because they had such a lovely episodal model. Mm-hmm. Each episode deals with a different story that it's actually fun to rewatch. So, yeah. And it's all in the character moments. It's not about being surprised by what happens. Exactly. I was going to say that you are a rewatcher, but I, the, I'm not. So I feel like that's it for me. I will never be able to, to experience this again because I can't rewatch. <sighs> so it's goodbye forever. Okay. Aww. Well, you can always <laughs> watch like gifs and videos and stuff. Yeah, and reread that's my nerd notes yeah. <laughs> and my bulging folder of screen caps. Got exactly. so many. <laughs> that's what they're for that is what they're for all I right so <laughs> so uh we move on to dramas that we have just started and saya uh yeah so i will start with melting me softly which was the ji mm. drama that we've been looking forward to for quite some time and yeah. Before I start, we should probably remind ourselves this show, um, Melting Me Softly, is from the same screenwriter as Strong Woman Do Bongsun, which I think we all roundly um, despised, uh, two-thirds of, and adored one-third of. So with with that in mind, this show is marginally better in terms of, like, it's still doing that genre mashup. And um, we talked about the premise um, in uh, one of our earlier episodes, Ji Changuk and uh, Wonjina, is it Wonjina? Yeah, Wonjina. Um, get um, cryogenically frozen. It's meant to be 24 hours, ends up being 20 years. So they go into deep freeze in 1999 and they wake up in 2019. Um, so it like, you know, there's like a lot of like potential for comedy and pathos. You've got the mystery of why it ended up being um, 20 years instead of the allotted 24 hours. So that's the thing that is beginning to sort of emerge from it's four episodes out at, at this point and the whole underlying mystery thing is only beginning to come out now so the first two episodes does a lot of sort of 1999 setup which i really enjoy except it doesn't look like 1999 just bringing out a token walkman does not make it 1999 <laughs> <laughs> so like you know, I found that in quite a few shows recently is when they like do these past segments, they don't look, they're like, like, you know, like you have ethnic stereotypes. These are like chronological stereotypes. Is that even the correct expression? Yeah, a Walkman does not 1999 make, but it's fun. Um, And then we weren't even using Walkmans in 99. It was Discmans. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, total irrelevant, but I just wanted to point that out. Okay, yeah, go on. True. Although they do have both. They have CDs and tapes. I mean, you know, remember there was that point where you're still using both. Like, I, I was using a Walkman and a Discman at that time. So, yeah, so where are we going? Oh, um, so uh, he's a variety show PD, and she is um, a student who just has to take a million part-time jobs to, to make ends meet, of course. Um, so she um, is sort of roped into being part of this experiment and does not expect it to go that way. Um, it's really like it has lots of really funny moments. Like, you know, the parts where you're just laughing out loud because it's so wacky. 
but it does do that genre mashup thing that Strong Woman, uh, the Wongsun does, except I think the comedy works a little bit better. It's not quite so, um, it's not as, it's not slapstick the way it, it came off in, in Strong Woman. It's much more, um, like it, it works better, but it does this thing, which is, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, like it has these really emotional moments because, of course, you know, after you've woken up from uh, 20 years and you're completely unchanged and you go to meet your family and, you know, a lot of things have changed. Your life has changed. You know, you may have lost family members. Lots of, like, the world you knew has disappeared. And there's that disorientation. There's, like, there's so much, um, like, emotionally to mine there. And it does that and it goes there. But then before that moment finishes, it undercuts it with, like, a, a, like a, a moment of comedy. And, like, um, Miss Victrix, who uh, has written reviews of this, um, and we've been talking about this, um, she she put it really well. She said that it's like it wants you to laugh and uh, to cry and laugh at the same time. Because, you like, I there were moments when I genuinely was just, like, crying. But then, like, a second later, the tears are still on my face and I'm laughing. And like but, I mean, does that work? Because sometimes that works and sometimes it really doesn't. It depends how you're watching it. Um, I think if you want to take it seriously, you're not going to enjoy it. But if you just like watch it, you know, like a, just take it like a like a casual summer fling, you're going to really enjoy it. Just have fun. Don't okay. uh, like overthink it. And it it, it, it is like um, the cast are really bringing it. Like Ji Changuk is like absolutely, you know, Wonjina. Both of them are really like s- selling it, and their chemistry is really really good. It's the same. Like it's a it's very similar to how in Strong Woman the Bongsun, the the lead actors had such like mm. brilliant chemistry that it outshone the show itself. So I feel it's going that way here. Um, and I'm really enjoying it, actually, for all that I have criticised. <laughs> I'm really into it, and it's got a good mystery going. It's not like the mystery in, uh, in Strong Woman the Bungsun, which was just like so like out there and like what is this? But it's it's a genuinely like it works with the plot. Like the the mystery is that why did it end up this way? You know, the scientist who was meant to um, resuscitate them, something happened to him, which is what delayed their resuscitation. Um, and who's behind that? What's the bigger picture? That is like it's it's a it's a mystery where the characters are beginning to ask the questions. So I'm I'm really interested in it, and it's a very easy watch. So you're, like you know, with some shows you have to prepare yourself to watch them. With this one, you just dive in and watch it. Yeah, and you it need some stuff really fast. to watch like that. Once sometimes you just need something that's like a comic flame. relief. Yeah, yeah. really. <laughs> Not everything has to be a life or death, exactly harrowing experience that keeps you on the edge of your seat and makes you pull out your hair. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely lot- am not in the mood to watch stuff like that right now. Oh yeah, there's a lot of people um, who are like, "This is trash," and I'm not watching it. So if you feel that way, drop it. But if you just are ready to go along for the ride, mm. it's it's fun. Cool. Okay, so next so- up is. Some family mukjang. Yeah. Okay, this is family mukjang I like. I don't usually watch mukjang a lot, but um, you, uh, last year, do you guys remember how much we enjoyed uh, The Last Empress? Oh, yeah. yes. 
get yeah share. yeah so so graceful family has end. some some vibes of that here again you have this woman who is underestimated by her family who comes in and uh she has an axe to grind and it's uh, she's trying to uh avenge the death of her mother and uh, yeah like she is basically a chebol heiress oh uh who is she she is the I'm, i'm really trying to like this actress this is im soo young i uh, last watched her in my id is gangnam beauty and uh, i was okay with like i enjoyed her part there but she was she was playing someone considerably younger than her actual age and she is so tall and modelesque that it was like like the whole i suppose they given given that her character had like pretty extreme plastic surgery it made sense to cast someone as beautiful as her it, it, as an awkward uh young adult but there was the, it was a bit jarring here of course like she completely owns it she's like, i think every second scene she she gets into the these amazing clothes that has to cost like half the budget of the uh drama I mean everything is designer she looks gorgeous all the time most of the mic drop moments are her in a swirly uh beautiful dress doing something uh dramatic and saying something dramatic and it's all like completely delicious so what's the actual sort of plot ah okay so the plot is that you have im soo young's character who's in exile like she is this chebol heiress sorry she's the chebol heiress who's in exile because her family doesn't want her to come back and inherit her uh, chunk of you know uh, the family wealth fortune yeah but her grandfather wants her to but her grandfather's really sick and you know she hasn't been allowed to come back in years and her mother was married uh, murdered years back and uh, a housemaid was like uh, prosecuted for it and like jailed but she didn't really believe that the housemaid was the one who had killed her mother so now she's back years later and she is uh, going up against the family's um so the family has this agency that works directly for the their company and the agency is called top the job of the agency is to protect the family and the company so anybody does anything like if there's an extra extra matter affair happening they'll go and clean it up if somebody if if one of the uh, sons uh, of the family gets into trouble somehow even if it, it's like that there are police cars chasing him down the street they'll intercept that somehow and make it go away so it's it's insane and so im soo young comes back and she has to go up against the head of this agency and the head of this agency is like has been a loyal guard dog for decades for the family but she's also more powerful than the chairman of the company at this point mm. so uh she's also a threat to the main villain i suppose who is im soo young's character's father uh so yeah anyway it's 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 full on family mark jung man every character ha- has two faces and everybody has a motive to have you know hurt like to have committed the murder years ago and it's just it's mad dramatic like it's just i can't even and then you have uh, im soo young's uh, partner in justice i suppose uh, this lawyer without too much like he's a bright guy but doesn't have a, a very good job so he uh, she meets him and kind of becomes impressed by him and then she kind of tries to pull him uh, get him to work for her but instead top uh, sees him 
sort of in action as well and they recruit him and uh, they offer him a lot of money and he needs money so he's like yeah <laughs> and uh, is this the male lead <laughs> yeah this is the male lead and then stuff happens and he decides that he would rather you know sort of work with im soo young's character sort of be like her undercover spy to undermine top and no the but the fun thing is again in this drama uh, so the the uh, love interest is being played by this actor called lee jang woo i have not seen him in anything else before but he's I he's like super him. sweet yeah yeah i really like him in this do and- you remember that drama i mentioned where like kim sona gets she becomes pregnant for a one one night stand and she's the ceo and he's like this like poor employee but it's like a bad drama but it was one of the few where like the woman is older and she's also in a position of power i mentioned it before Which anyway drama? he's the, i do the i do oh right, right yeah so like he plays the male lead in that and im soo young was the second female lead in that oh. and so this is their reunion after like seven years except now they're the leads i just found that interesting but he's yeah, a popular i have heard of that before i i completely forgot this bit right Okay but see again here the dynamic is much like rookie historians Im Soo Hyung's character is the more brash authoritative one whereas uh, Lee Jung Woo's character is like the quieter subtler one who's you know who who usually gets pulled into plans because of Im Soo Hyung and kind of goes along with what she wants to do but he has a backbone like it's not when he thinks that she's going too far he'll get her to come back in line and all of that stuff but that that's great i mean i like that i enjoy that dynamic a lot but it's that's not it's not the romance hasn't even properly taken off and it's like already towards the end of the drama so that's not the focus i see okay it's it's the it's a mukjang qualities but you know harmless mukjang it's not like people this is not drama where your your heart's going to be torn asunder and you're going to be like ah, ah, why no none of that it's, it's just like the gleeful pleasure kind. yeah <laughs> nice you, you just you you wait for because and the drama is very clever in how how many wins they'll give the heroine like she came in and she kind of like um because she's she's very subtly clever this this uh, im soo young's character uh, what's her name mosoki mosoki is very she, she's supposed to be something of a chebol genius archetype and uh, so when she was like uh, exiled to america for i don't know when she was a teenager she was exiled there after her mother died and uh, she was not allowed to come back to korea so after she finished studying she decided that she was just going to spend her time partying and so everybody just thought that she was basically useless but it turned out that she would just go to clubs and then hire a room and go inside there and study <laughs> <laughs> sounds like so- a kind of girl <laughs> yeah so um yeah so she she would um anyway so she came back and she's cleverer than anybody had expected her to be and she like there are a lot of twists and turns and she is smart about how she counters their move and you know they've got a lot of resources and she's like a one woman army so it's like it's not equal so of course she loses more than she wins but still it's it's fun because you never feel like she is david going up against goliath it's like she 
she is smart enough that she has an actual chance like i realized david defeated goria so that's probably the wrong analogy <laughs> but no no like, it makes sense nobody expected him to win so it's like yeah like you 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 can actually see that the, the like the family is just falling apart Uh, uh, along the edges because everything's been kept together by this agency more or less because they've been cleaning up after this family for so long but as soon as things start unraveling everything starts unraveling and she is just there around the edges making sure that she's pulling the strings so that things unravel faster this sounds really fun how many episodes it is, is it so i think they've aired about 12 episodes i i think it's 16 episodes though i could be wrong about it's that i haven't actually looked at the 16 on asian wiki oh okay nice okay i yeah. thought it was so, look like it's nearly come to the end of its run i think for some reason i thought it was like a 50 episode weekender but um, yeah that's, that's, that's what exactly thought. what i thought too and yeah. then this I makes me want to watch wind. it exactly i caught wind of all of the comments like especially uh, from mary um on drama beans who was just like this is you've got to watch it and it it, it so, it's just pure deliciousness it's just like guilt free mug junk you know i mean hmm. the only issue that i have with this drama and it's a pretty it's a really niggling uh, annoying issue is that there are times when like so um the writers because i'm i'll, I'll always the blame uh, sorry i'll always blame the writers in these situations because they are the ones creating the uh, characters and their entire arcs here they seem to have they, they seem to really be struggling with not being sexist because it sometimes kind of leaks out a bit like you have times when women uh, because the major characters here are all female mm. so you have women going up against women and um one woman tells the other that you try acting like a man too much there are times when you have yeah most the most prominent thing that you would absolutely notice here is that uh in the dialogue especially you you sometimes have these characters attacking each other oh yeah the the best line how could i forget about how you know all women are jealous of other pretty women oh um, great it's repeated a lot <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that that's the only issue i have with this drama aside from that it's fluff and it's delicious and it's amazing and see to see the women here are badasses like you like the prominent the biggest baddie is a female and she is so smart and dynamic and i love her and she's so evil and <laughs> <laughs> she just so told your point about <laughs> To your point about the writing, um, yeah. the director and the writer are both men for this for this drama. So, yeah, it it this is this has a very male gaze when it comes mm. to Im Soo Young's character, especially like you have all of the female rich female characters lounging in their uh, designer clothes at home. It's the most ridiculous shit. I mean, <laughs> um, especially Im Soo Young's clothes are. I mean, they are. I mean, they are amazing. don't get me wrong but I, the the girl doesn't seem to own any jammies i feel bad for her right and a woman writer would probably be more likely to be like she's in her house can we not unless yeah. it's for right now unless i feel like then, yeah No, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't. I mean, after shouldn't product placements have like some names of brands no, or something? I mean, if they're, I they're sponsors, and they'll be like, "You're wearing our clothes all the time." But still, you know, like that's those are decisions that the director and the writer make about how yeah. they're gonna, what the aesthetic of the drama is gonna be, and how it's gonna. 
this seems to be a conscious choice and also i mean i suppose because mark jungs do have a lot of very dramatic characters wearing very flashy clothes so this is not you know yeah it's yeah. part of the aesthetic no but but it's also part of the fun i would have to admit i mean i don't think people posing dramatically against the wall while somebody else walks out in shame <laughs> after like a disastrous <laughs> meeting would be nearly as fantastic to watch if they were kind of like just wearing like toned jeans and yeah. instead of like this this dress with a like i a slit up to the thigh and it's like all satin and shit i yeah. mean i i don't and, even know what materials these are and to be clear but, like you can have like unrealistically fantastic clothes without being sexist you know so that's yeah it's not necessarily like that that makes it i don't i don't think the clothes here are sexist i don't think it's that i mean you guys will understand if you watch it it's not that in it, in in most of the cases it's it's not there isn't um I don't think they deal with too many of the toxic tropes that we come across in many uh you know these family oriented mukjangs it it's just simply that it slips out sometimes that's mm. why I think that they're really struggling with their sexism like they don't they, they don't want to be sexist but occasionally it slips out in a dialogue here and a dialogue there so it's kind of like that so they're trying um, I, yeah I think so they're, they're so they're trying but they're still men <laughs> but they're trying and that's what counts i know so what's next up it is lisa yeah so i i just watched episode one of when the camellia blooms so i'm gonna go just give like a really quick first impressions so to give the setup it's um gong hyojin and kang hana yeah i know i don't know why my brain just blanked for one second yeah <laughs> kang hana is um they're the the leads and basically the setup is like this is a really small kind of small town that's famous for its marinated crabs and also for being the site of this serial killer case that never got solved like five or six years ago um and so when we when we first see when we first get introduced to the town it like those murders have just happened um and also Gong Hyojin is just moving to the area and she sets up this bar called Camellia and at first they're like it's a flower shop and they're like oh she's so pretty and then they see her baby and they're like oh she's she's like married so it's okay that she's so pretty and then they're like oh wait she doesn't have a husband oh no she's like a, <laughs> a single a homewrecker <laughs> yeah and then they're like oh my god it's a bar it's not a flower shop stay away so anyway like they're all very judgy ajumas um So it like she she does she's able to like continue her business and there's nowhere else really like that in the area so it ends up being successful her bar but she's still having this stigma of being a single mom and you know especially in Korea there's this um or at least there used to be this stigma against like women who work at bars and so she does get looked down on by pretty much everyone in the she's not in a good position socially and and there and even in just in the first episode you see like six years have passed and she's you know she settled in and her son's growing up but she still gets comments like um you know you shouldn't do anything that your son would be ashamed of you for and like men being like why don't you smile and then she has to be like you're not paying me for my smiles just like eat the, eat the food and drink the alcohol you know like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so and then um but she's very quiet and kind of reserved and like she she seems very meek but somebody says oh like she's a hippo and so i'm guessing that that means that she's very quiet until like all of a sudden 
she becomes very fierce. Um, but we haven't seen that yet. And then the male lead is Kang Hano, and he's like this complete dork who um, just accidentally becomes like a warrior for justice because he keeps running into like terrible criminals and he can't stop himself from like beating them up and taking them to the police station <laughs> so he eventually just becomes a police officer but he still can't keep his temper and so like he goes to seoul and he like becomes a police officer in seoul and then he beats up a, a guy who murdered his his girlfriend because he's like oh she wasn't listening to me so i killed her and so then he like beats him up and then he gets demoted and sent back to his hometown um so he's back and he like he like basically falls in love with her at first sight but she's like, you're a weirdo. Stay away from me. Because he is a weirdo. And he's so strange. He's such a dork. So um, that's the dynamic. And then there's this weird, like, it's six years since the, the murders have stopped happening. And they still haven't caught the murderer. And this is interesting meta commentary where, like, a movie has just come out about this serial murder. And so everyone's like, oh, our town just got its reputation back for crabs from like marinated crabs. And now everyone's talking about the murder, like the land prices are going to drop again. Like what's, what's wrong with this director? Why does he keep making movies about us? <laughs> so like, there's that, which I think is really funny. But then there's this scene that kind of brackets the episode where like, they're showing someone who got murdered. It seems to be the female lead. I don't know where they're going with that because like she can't be Whoa. dead. <laughs> yeah, but it's that's the implication. So I don't know how the thriller element is going to because it seems like a very warm kind of small town romantic family relationship drama about, you know, um it kind of reminds me a little bit of Jealousy Incarnate just in like how there's all these different characters and they interact in a really low key kind of slice of life way. Um, but the, every, everything feels very real, but it's also kind of funny, you know, um, a similar tone. Um, but I'm not sure how the thriller element, like the directing is gorgeous. It's very beautiful. So that's definitely, that's definitely a plus. So I'm going to go with it. I'm actually, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm intrigued. So we'll see where it goes. Okay. And now I'm kind of interested. I, I was interested in it because of Gong Yujin, but um, the trailers weren't very impressive. Uh, I don't know. They, they hadn't pulled me in. But yeah, no, this sounds this sounds cooler, actually. This sounds like it's more than just Gong Yujin being offered, I, I don't know, uh, pursued by this uh, Kang Hanyu's character. So Yeah, and it's the writer of Fight for My Way. Yeah. Uh, so the writing is quality. Yeah. And the director <laughs> did um Gakshital and um Are You Human Too? So I think those were praised for yeah. their directing. Yeah, but I, I didn't really like either of those. Stories. Oh really? I liked Gakshital. I didn't watch Are You Human Too? Um but it's very stylishly directed. So I'm gonna keep watching it. The only reason I haven't begun it yet is because I began seven other dramas. <laughs> <laughs> oh and Kim Ji Suk is also in this which I had forgotten until I started watching it and he like shows up out of nowhere I was like oh yeah I love him and he plays this like athlete the he's married guy, right? to a model or something and they have a baby and she's just like a terrible person he just takes care of the baby all the time and I don't know what like they have no connection to the story right now except that they're on like a program that documents their daily life so we'll see where that goes okay but you know, obligatory, obligatory kimchi suck love always. <laughs> I was like, yeah. why isn't she talking about kimchi suck? 
like she mentioned, um, you know, Gong Hyojin and Kang Hanul. What about Kim Ji Sook? So like, he only has like five minutes of screen time, and there's no connection to the rest of the story. So I don't know what's going on with I that. I guess that will sort of but, come out in the, the next episode. It kind of sounds really interesting, just because of how weird the format is. It's very different. I'm very interested to see where this is going to go. But it's not particularly dark, right? Except for the murderer. Apart from that. <laughs> so, like, the cold open and then the ending is just, like, them discovering a body that has, like, the bracelet of the main character. So, and Kang Han just, like, breaking down in tears. So, I don't know what that's about. We'll find out. I'll report back to you next month. <laughs> uh-huh. At which time we may have caught up as well. <laughs> yes. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm on board for now. Okay. What's next? And next. Next, I feel like um, after everything you've said about Graceful Family, everything I'm going to say about Secret Boutique is just going to be redundant. <laughs> okay. Is it, is it like, is it the same genre? Um, it sounds very similar, but where, like, you know, this, you, you said um, Graceful Family is more in the vein of uh, Last Empress. A uh, secret boutique is much darker than that. So what you've see the thing with like secret boutique is like I had zero plan of watching the show. Okay, it's like you know I'm not huge on Kim Sona. The name of the title of the show just made me think it would be like about handbags, and it, it's not about handbags. It's uh, not about <laughs> handbags at all, <laughs> which is like good news because I'm not into handbags. Um, so um, my friend Miss Victrix, who uh. I, talk to a lot about dramas more than I ought to probably <laughs> so just like constantly texting her about dramas because I don't want to bother you guys because I know you're busy and you're not watching the same shows as I'm watching <laughs> um so she said um she hooked me with her description basically she said it's a cross between uh, it was like a cross between uh Heartless City and Mask so like if Heartless City and Mask had a kid this would be it so I haven't watched Heartless City, but I know it's a Revenge Mellow, and this was uh, that was airing at the same time Secret was airing, um, I think, if I remember rightly. And it was like, you know, it was like intense, emotional, painful, yeah, wrecking really... drama. Oh, have you watched it? Yeah, I okay. really Don't tell me about it. it. I've, I've, there's a spoiler that I heard about it like a really long time ago, and I'm trying to forget, and I've nearly forgotten, and I don't want to sort I, of bring it I back. Won't. Don't worry. <laughs> and Mask. So have, have either of you seen Mask? No. The no. Uh, Sue drama, which uh, was uh, uh, Sue Jujihun with um, from the writer of Secret, one of the writers of Secret, I think. Um, it was their next drama from the same team, I believe. Um, not quite as sort of cracktastic a secret, but like it had that sort of dark, you know, um, that sort of elite world, um, chebos and secrets led on secrets. So I was like, okay, you've got me. I'm, I'm going to try this. Since it's not about handbags, I can do it. So it's about a woman, um, Kim Sunna's character, um, goes by the name of Jenny Jung, and she's like risen past her humble beginnings um, to become a power broker for the elites around her. Like, of them, but not of them at the same time. Um, and like, she deals in secrets, and that's her biggest a- asset. And similar to what you were saying about Graceful Family, you know, where you have the agency cleaning up. Jenny Jang is the cleaner-upper. So she cleans up the Chebol secrets. So she cleans them up so she knows them. So while she is not one of them, because she knows everything about them, and because she has this sort of power to work between, um, you know, sort of between the cracks of everything that they do, like she can, like, 
she can pretty much do anything for them, whether it's getting their kids off drug charges or putting through divorces or taking, you know, making sure one spouse doesn't find out about the other spouse's affair, that kind of thing. So everything. She does it all. And her, like, her boutique is, like, it's a front, like, the front is a boutique. So it, it is, like, a legit boutique business. But it's actually kind of a boutique lawyer so type So it's, like, of, King's Bags. Yeah, kind of, but not... And my secretary. Not, not as uh, inefficient and um, for show. Like, it's it works on, on both fronts. Like, she's got money. She's serious. Like, she's got serious money. She's got business chops. Um, and she knows what she's doing. So, like, the first two episodes, it's at episode six now. Um, the first two episodes can seem a bit disjointed because, like, you don't know what's going on. Like, why do we have a side story of this amateur product player um, who turns out to be my favorite character? Um, and, like, something happens to her that brings her into Jenny Jang's path. Um, you'll recognize that actress as well. Um, uh, Gomin Shi, who was in The Smile Has Left Your Eyes, where she played Imuri. I don't know what any of that mm-hmm, means, but mm-hmm. I expect you guys to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember her character. So she plays the the amateur but, uh, public player in in this. So you have like um like you were saying about Im Siang and her like um snappy wardrobe and everything. Kim Sun yeah. is like exactly like it's again three women dominate um the four women dominate the 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 story, um mm-hmm. and. So you've got like it's got this kind of gothic kind of feel like I don't know how to describe it uh, better than that but it's like like the clothes they make you think of of like her hats and her like crisp suits and the bold colors and her red lipstick and but like the rest of the colors kind of muted around her oh like misty and, yeah i think that would probably be about right but again more to the gothic and like I, I really don't like the like the blunt haircuts that they have. They're just really horrible. Like they, I don't find them visually pleasing, but they're very effective because they like the hair itself communicates things. Um, and again, you've got the evil chairwoman who is she's not likable. She's like she's horrible. She's like properly evil. So this is pr- maybe the difference between like Graceful Family and this is that you don't like any of the villains in this. They are truly horrible people. Uh, but you you wish for their comeuppance and it's it's good to see them being sort of played. Um because um Jenny Jang has a secret identity um which you find out about uh, uh by the second episode which changes everything because it's like it it recontextualizes everything that you've just learned about them. And yeah, it's just, it's really, I'm, I'm really into it. I'm surprised nice. by how into it I am as well. And also, like, um, my my favorite character, the the product player, um, like part of why I find her so interesting is because, see, all of these women are really really clever, apart from um, the uh, Pakibon's character, who is like the Chebol daughter, who. Um, it's like born into this sort of birthright thing, but she doesn't know what to do with it. So she's very sort of shrill and screechy and can't get anything done. Everything she does goes wrong. And in the end, she always needs Jenny Jang's help anyway. Um, but the, the product player, she's like, she's very humble. She's the only one, uh, with like long hair, which 
is, is again, it's like an interesting statement about her character. Um, like, she has this ability to see the whole board, and she anticipates moves, and she reads a bluff. Like, you know, when people are making bluffs, she can read them. And she's like a strategist. So she's like the, got the mind of a general in the body of this, you know, unassuming young woman. And it sounds great. It's really good. You should watch it. And like, like the fact that Jenny Jang goes and seeks uh, an alliance with her and needs her help and that they can view each other as equals when, you know, one woman is just so like powerful to the point that, you know, when they first meet, Jenny Jang is like, I'm not even going to ask your name. Uh, because I just, you know, I don't need to know your name. You're nobody. Hmm. And then that turns around and she's like, she comes and she asks her her name. And it's really interesting. This is, it's the other type of Makchang. Like hmm. the crazy dark one where you want the bad people to go down. But a thousand secrets, like, are surrounding the truth that you are desperate to get to. Highly recommend it. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, in contrast, I think Graceful Family is like, like Makjang light. Like you have a funeral for a rich person's uh, pet fish. Where oh. <laughs> kind of like flounces into the middle of the funeral and she like throws a rose at, at the fish's picture and she's like... That's amazing. Goodbye, fish. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it just... It's, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's very tweeny, though, isn't it? <laughs> That's not to not to dismiss the feelings that people have about about their dear fish. It's just you know, no, I'm really, yeah, but like this, this was food. the pet of a. Yeah, so do I. Like as a Bengali, that's that's the only way you can look at fish. That's true. Um, man. They should be in the river or on my plate. Exactly. Uh, I hate food, not whenever, whenever there are like I like Blue Planet or whatever, my parents watch TV and they're like, "Oh my god, think how delicious that would be!" And you're like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> how about that one?" Actually, I really enjoy I enjoy their remarks because you don't tend to think of it that way. Fish are food, yeah. not friends. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like you look at these beautiful, like, colorful rainbow fish in these <laughs> exotic oceans far, far away, and you're just like, how fresh is that fish? What is you it? You're my Finding Nemo reference, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm just, I haven't watched Finding Nemo, so I would miss the reference. Oh, uh, okay. I apologize. Uh, okay. No worries. Not a Disney acolyte. Was that not even Disney? Was it Pixar? Sorry. Getting it all drunk. It's both. <laughs> it's totally fine. So yeah, we we love fish uh, in the rivers or on, or on our plates, but only when fished responsibly and in the correct season. Because yeah, fish gets depleted really fast if you like hunt. Overfish. Yeah. Okay, we've totally digressed now. Um, <laughs> okay, what's next? Oh, vagabond. Yes. Okay, Vagabond. Oh, Vagabond. I've been hearing bad things about this. (laughs) So, okay. Um, Firstly, I'm actually enjoying it. Um, And, like, you guys saw how excited I was about this. I was like, oh, my God, an action thriller. I love action thrillers. haven't had an action thriller. And, (laughs) like, I was stuck on watching the opening credits about ten times before I moved on to the actual drama. Like, the production value is amazing. Like, it's, like... Spectacular, and the location, like um, because they're on location in Morocco for the first couple of episodes, you don't even have to try to make some places just look completely breathtaking and stunning, and so it's got all of that going for it. Um, and the story is, um, Isengi's character, um, 
this isn't the premise, but it feels like a spoiler, so I don't know if I should warn you. Should I tell something like he he uh, suffers a tragedy, and uh, that's spoiler too. It's a spoiler. It all happens in the first. Okay, episode. listen, just 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 spoil the first episode for okay. us and nothing more. Okay, so um, he loses uh. A family member in a plane crash, which is huge. Is it his nephew? It is his nephew. I was trying to not give that much of a spoiler. Yeah, that, but... that, that was given away in oh, the trailer. Okay. But you know, when I was watching it, I just didn't realize, I just forgot about that. And I was watching, I was like, oh my God, he's going to die, isn't he? He's going to die, he's going to die, he's going to die. And it was so much worse because I didn't know it was coming. It's really horrible. I, ne- I never need to watch a plane crash in in anything ever. So that's yeah. that actually really difficult to watch that part. But so like it's put down to engine failure, but um Isengi's character comes across evidence that it wasn't an accident, but sabotage. Nobody believes him, of course. Um, but the culprits get wind of him like trying because he's not very uh, subtle. He just like goes around saying what he wants to say and trying to be heard. I mean, you know, he's he's a, a grieving uncle and you know, he's not an intelligence agent uh, agent or anything. He's he's a stuntman. Which is really cool. Um, and Susie plays a secret agent who is working undercover at the Korean embassy in Morocco, but we don't actually know why. So he's going, uh, Isengi's trying to get someone to believe him about the accident, and nobody does. But then, like, the bad guys keep trying to bump him off, like, endlessly. Um, but. So, can we talk about Morocco, though? So, <laughs> Please do. <laughs> oh, K-drama. They're trying, okay. And it's I, I, I will give you points for, like, doing your best with stereotyping. Um, so, like, it's like they looked uh, at this thing and they were like, how can we make this as Morocco as possible? So, like, in the plane to Morocco, you have, like... Uh, you have like a man in in a Bengali style topi. Uh, you have mm. uh, another man wearing a Saudi uh, uh, colored scarf. You know the what's it called? Uh, you just it's very it's very mashallah very stereotypes. Mm. Um, so there's that. But then the best part was Susie's house, which is um as far and I I might be wrong about this. Maybe someone who lives in Morocco or generally in that kind of is it East Africa? No, West Africa? North North Africa, right? North Africa. Because yeah. I like when I was living in Egypt I don't recall seeing this kind of architect you know that kind of really um what's it called? Uh, intricate architecture that you have in like very old building uh masjids usually, very old mosques, where they have that amazing intricate uh, carvings and things like that. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't recall ever seeing that in people's homes. Though it may be in in particular um, like types, uh, but certainly not sort of ancient. People don't live in places like that. Those places are like public buildings or you know mm. um, historical sites or things like that. So they've got Susie's house, which looks like one of these places, and her doormat is a prayer mat. <laughs> oh my <laughs> oh, lord! Are you for real? I just found that so funny. And oh my um, god. And you're like, I, I can see what you're trying to do here, but it, it, it's not quite right. I'm not like, I'm not offended by it, but I, I found it really interesting. Yeah. And that was that was fun. So that's Morocco, where they're just like, but you know what was also really nice? Um, that they actually um, employed actors in on location. So you've got um, 
all sorts like um Moroccans playing all sorts of characters not just villains so it didn't feel like you know that sort of Hollywood type of it didn't fail the risk test let's say that okay so that was pretty that was nice to know yeah (laughs) shout out to the riz test yes (laughs) our friends (laughs) um uh, while they're in Morocco so they're making the best of Isengi's army fitness like um the the parkour is really like it's it's really good and you get stuff like Arab rooftop chase scenes which I really enjoy and also I feel like Arab countries lend themselves really well to this kind of scene the way European cities don't yeah, because you know with the flat roofs and stuff like that. Like, do you remember in Missing the uh, mm, the Jordan, Jordan. Scene? Yeah, exactly. It worked pretty that. well. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking that as well as I was watching. I was like, you know what, this really works. And you know how like Korean rooftops are green, the Moroccan ones are like uh, kind of a, a red pink, um, which is is very interesting to learn. I found that like just the location is amazing. It's really spectacular, and Susie has very possible Arabic. Which is uncommon, and that reminded me of um, Pakshine in um, Memories of the Alhambra and her really good Spanish. So she's definitely trying with that. I do have to say that the story isn't as spectacular as the setting. Um, like I really enjoy the parts with like the main characters, like Isengi and um, Susie, and like on the ground. But I really, really dislike the parts with the military contractors. Like that's the sort of uh, the. Uh, the overarching story and your big bads and things like that. I mean, it's just a bunch of like disgustingly powerful rich people being more disgusting and rich and had my fill of that. So um, are you going to continue watching it? I am. Of course I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you hear me say I need action thrillers in my life. But um, there is a, like, um, like I quite like Susie from the one show I've seen her in, which is while you were sleeping. So I'm predisposed to like her. But I also sort of have to reluctantly say that her tone isn't always constant with the rest of the show. Um, like, she keeps going on and on about being an agent and therefore, like, you know, so good. But so far, Isengi has been about 50 times more effective than she has. And, like, you feel like she's trying to go for... Like, you know how Ayu is in Hotel de Luna? Like, mm-hmm. she has this gravity, uh, like, gravitas and solemnity. I feel like Susie is trying to go for that, but she lacks the same presence. And, like, she comes off petulant instead of droll. And it's, it, it's, it wasn't affecting my enjoyment of it at first, but I'm, because it hasn't subsided, I think we're on episode, I'm just about to start episode five, I think, or six, I can't remember, or seven. I, I can't kind of- remember where I am. Yeah. But but that that's a problem that I have with a lot of Hollywood and Bollywood action flicks, like where you have like this hyper competent male lead, even if he's not in a, a line of work where he would be this competent, and you have a female lead who's often like a, a you know a, a someone a, a raw agent or a, or a, a CIA agent or something like that, and somehow she's the one who keeps making mistakes and keeps yeah. you know falling in traps and keeps, <laughs> yeah and and needing that, to be that, rescued and not being as yeah. competent as she should be, and she's always in like a tight black suit and heels. <laughs> yes, yeah, why she always in heels? And and and, and the hero <laughs> he's focused on the mission, whereas she uh, at first says that you're not my type and I'm not going to fall for you, and then she falls for him first, and yeah, 
You that's, kind that's of have actually thing. said exactly what happened at one point. What? <laughs> she hasn't fallen for him yet, but she did have that whole thing. So you're just uh, like, oh, yeah. You're oh, not making me want to watch this. Yeah, Despite how much I love you singing. Yeah. I think check out, like, the first half an hour or so just for the scenery and the okay. opening credits, but I don't think it's your kind of show. Boromir, you might enjoy uh, it as a light watch. Okay. But nothing to take seriously. It's not that deep. It's it's really well, I th- I think, amazing to I look think at. I w- I would go for a secret boutique before that. Though. Yeah, definitely. That one is like that's that's deep. That's worth it. This yeah, one is just yeah. like popcorn. And come on, we have to maximize our time in yeah, these yeah, in yeah. these days of like <laughs> overabundance of things it's to true. watch and not enough of time. Good shows, man. We've yeah. been blessed with so many good shows. So good. Oh, yeah. and I'm I'm judging you for the long list of things that you said you would start watching, but you're not. So uh, me? No, oh, so- Saya. <laughs> me? Wait, wait, I've watched so many things. Did you want me? This list is all me. <laughs> I feel embarrassed by uh, like. No, I just want you to watch. I just want you to watch search www oh, and mellow true. is my nature because I know you'll <laughs> love both of them. So. Do you know how I feel like sometimes? And I was thinking about this before we uh, were recording. Is that like you guys bring the wholesome, like rich, nutritious dramas to the table, and I'm like the junk food junkie. <laughs> All I do is like pig out on like these lightweight thrillers when there are deep things that I would be getting more enrichment from, but instead I'm like, nah, give me the cookies. Yeah, (laughs) this is not true at all. I mean, do you really think that I'm watching Graceful Family because of like the wholesomeness of it? Yeah, but that's like your, that's your (laughs) dessert, okay? You've had your main meal, whereas I just have dessert. Okay, who watched who watched Watcher and basically like wrote a dissertation about it? I don't want to hear about this (laughs) non-nutritious whatever no no i think i mean i like i like that we bring the variety i just want to like share those experiences with you because i know you would enjoy them i do i uh, again um our listeners might not know this or did we talk about it before is i do now i have begun to consciously choose different things in order to bring variety it's at least checking out the first few episodes especially if someone's told you something's good and you're like well okay let me take a look and I often find out that the ones I want to check out are the one, not the ones that I start, but like the random ones, like Secret Boutique, which is not about handbags. Mm. It's the one that I picked up. Like, uh-huh. why? And we were not, we were not excited about that. When we, we were not. We, we were like, we were the opposite it. of excited. We were all like, nah, pass. Like we were like so unenthusiastic. It was practically insulting. But it's a good show. That's true. So. After that, I just want to take a moment to talk about A Moment at 18. Um, it's a drama that I really enjoyed uh, for the most part. I, I thought it was an excellent teen drama. It uh, dealt with the class aspects of it. Like, I, I, it, oh, I, I mean both in terms of like classroom and the class division between like the richer kids and the poor kids. And it did a very good job of exploring the parent side of it when you have like an ambitious parent and, and a child who's smart but not able to or willing to go with her parents' idea of her life. And then you have like young teenage love, which was explored really sweetly. The characters were so good. The actors put so much effort into making these characters flesh out. I mean, I love this drama as a whole. 
but absolutely towards the end they did this thing where they left the ending a bit open ended and i thought it was completely unnecessary like absolutely um at the last like when everything else had been dealt with they manufactured uh, an obstacle that was unnecessary just so that they could leave the ending a bit open uh that kept me from loving the drama as like you know as completely as i would have otherwise so mm. that that's about it yeah other than that excellent drama i like right now whenever i get pings on reddit because you have like a, a k drama group there where people ask for recommendations so it's called k drama recommends and uh, recently there were a couple of people asking uh, about uh, teenage k dramas and yeah i've been i've been arguing very strongly uh, on behalf of this drama like pushing it at anybody who might like teenage dramas so nice yeah. awesome i'm glad that you liked it through to the end yeah i'm um, yeah i did and finally finally oh my gosh i feel like i've been like <laughs> holding my emotions in this whole time let's so let's talk about mellow is my nature or also known as be mellow dramatic ah oh, our mellow suits me Oh Are my god. This drama is okay, um I I have to give credit to this one commenter on uh YouTube for, for those of you who don't know, we have a YouTube channel where we upload our episodes but like we do it a bit late. So, yeah. I think it's better if you just subscribe to one of your podcast apps instead of our YouTube channel. <laughs> We, the, the lovely thing about the last episode ha- was that you know usually uh, we answer the comments like somebody comments and we answer it this time like our regular commenters just answered each other's comments oh nice so like yay a discussion this is so exciting this is a new yeah. step for us <laughs> So um on our last episode where we where we were discussing I think Anisa was talking about watching Melo's Manicha I hadn't started then Mike Duplessis uh, I hope I got the name right uh he commented that five stars for Melo's Manicha the series gets more and more meta in a fun way as it progresses to the point where the storyline turns into a mobius trip which is actually like th- that's true that that's a really good um that's an amazing way to put it yeah in my notes i had meta has turned this show has turned meta into an extreme sport and i love it but i think a mobius strip is a better way to describe exactly how it how it does that I, i mean it's beautiful it really does fold in itself so well i mean you don't know where the meta commentary is starting and where where the drama you know ends i mean it's and they never overdid it you know i never felt like the meta commentary or the product placement or any of those elements that was making the drama f- more than just a-, a slice of life narrative it-, it was ever like done to an extreme where the joke just stops being funny yeah or when it becomes like self indulgent and like sort of navel gazing right cuz you yeah. literally they're writing about themselves and you know like that can be a little bit like uh Okay, it, but it, it never it felt like been, that. It could have been so self-congratulatory. Instead, it was self-reflective. I thought they did a really good job of analyzing both the the struggles and the triumphs of being a writer as well as being a PD, 
um, and all the different, all the all the other uh, elements. Like for instance, I had no idea that you have people who come from agencies and they are pushing to get like the product placements actually placed in the script like i i don't even know how i thought product placements actually happen i had but that was yeah i, I mean <laughs> i love how much this drama focuses on process like there are so many things that we just kind of take for granted and we know that they happen like product placement like casting like um you know they have to put together the sets. They have to, you know, revise the script. Their script meet, but I mean, like we see all of this, and there's so yeah. much process, but it never gets boring because of how delightfully weird the characters are, <laughs> and how much I don't know that they, they somehow managed to pack in like all this detail about process, and and yet it's like so funny and so realistic and so moving and emotional and like. Every drama, every episode has its own theme, but it never feels like tacky. You know, like this is the episode where we're going to talk about this thing. I mean, yeah. they have an episode about farts and that ends up being moving. Like, how do you oh. even do that? <laughs> it's amazing. It, it is amazing. And um, I, okay, the, the weakest link in this entire drama is possibly the uh, the time since we were talking about processes. I thought every character's work life was explored pretty well, in as much as you know it 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 influenced the actual story. The only weak link was probably the when the actress's life was shown. That that was a bit. Like you, the actress was shown from the writer's perspective. Mm. Like she was shown sympathetically, but it was clearly from a, a you know, from from the crew's perspective, because she's like this super glamorous diva type character who's sympathetic and she's sweet and she has thoughts in her head. It's not that she's made into the shallow person, but you don't actually see too many of the struggles of an actor. So I found that interesting. That's true, but also like her story is only really part of the story because of Unjung, right? Like sh we see her through Unjung's eyes and through Unjung's no, experience. I, I completely agree. So. But given that we we were shown, for instance, Hanju's boss, they, they spent so much time like in different episodes telling us how particular she is about giving off time and like, respecting her uh, employees' boundaries and how she she has a good she's reliable and that she's respect and and jinju even though she had a jinju the uh, character playing the writer here even though she had a better offer from a different agency decided to go with her friend's agency after meeting that boss mm. Be because they they just found her as someone they could rely on and like because so her character was explored even though she she was barely there for a few scenes you saw a lot of her character struggle, like how strong she seemed externally, and then later on, they were at a uh, she was at a bar with Hanju, and Hanju was telling her that you, I looked up to you for this many years that I worked for you, and she's like, but I'm not strong, I'm not holding it up, like, mm. and she starts crying. So I'm I'm just saying, even for like small supporting characters, they put in those those character beats. And I found that it was it was only the the actress which was played by uh, Iju Bin. I think uh, Iso Min uh, was the name of the actress there, and she was the only character who whose portrayal was external, like what you what the crew would see, hmm. instead of being from the actor's perspective. If you if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I see what you mean. It didn't bother me because of how her story was a documentary. 
So I mm. feel like that was partly deliberate just because you are seeing what she is presenting to the camera most of the time. Like there's only a very few scenes where you see her when she's not being filmed. For example, when she goes and her and Minjoon have their romantic reconciliation and they, that scene was, that made me happy. That was really cute. Ah. <laughs> I just love their dynamic so much. <laughs> They're so funny. Um, but yeah, there weren't a lot of scenes where she wasn't on camera. And so then she's not necessarily performing but you also have this feeling that you're not getting her interior life. So I didn't actually mind that. No, I didn't mind it. I just I just thought that given that this is a, a drama written by writers, about writers, and about mostly about the, the people behind cameras, hmm. that the one character I found a bit shallow was the you know character who was in front of the camera, whose life they most likely know least about. Makes and sense. maybe that that was that choice was deliberate. It's possible that she was kept deliberately opaque because, after all, Somin does speak a lot about how she is always performing. Mm. Like I think there is a moment between her and the documentary maker friend, uh, which was Lee Yun Jung, and they did have that discussion. Like she can never turn off. So yeah, and I think somebody else also says like she's really smart, but she acts like she's not because her idiotic sort of persona on TV is part of what's made her famous. And so she works it, you know? Yeah. For the friends. Oh my God. Okay. I know Arisa, we, we spoke of, spoke about this last time about how this is, this is different from search WWW, but I think that was the initial episodes where the friends were not in positions of power, but by like the, I think about fourth or fifth episode, the friends had reached, like you, you saw them, being in positions of control in their in their workplace and and at that point i started thinking man this is like a proper successor to search www in that all of the female characters and you have you have three main female characters here who are in a related profession like they are more or less in the same industry but they have very different jobs hmm. and all of them have very like they are well respected in their fields people value them for the work that they do so which puts them in a position of power so they are never subservient so that is not their character arc which is what we've been so used to with so many heroines in drama land whenever you know workplace is concerned so yeah i i think this actually i think it qualifies as a very very good successor to such ww I, I i'm not even sure which one i liked more now i'm i'm, I'm really torn between these two dramas yeah, I mean, they are very different, but I know what you mean. And even like the way that they do meta, both of them are very mm -hmm. meta, but in very different ways. Like this drama is very explicit in its references. And, you know, like there are scenes where you just have like straight up have background music from famous dramas like Kim Samsoon and, you know, like Pretty Nuna Who Buys Me Food. And like you can tell yeah. that the people who made this are, they love tv dramas. and they love dramas yeah. they know all of these like famous literally like, quoting lines from like autumn in my heart and like jinju and bumsu are like literally walking around talking about autumn in my heart like that's what people like this would they would talk like that you know and so yeah and as somebody who's like that deep into the drama fandom as well you're just like ah these are my people <laughs> you know so that's really enjoyable but the friendship between the three women is definitely the highlight that scene yeah. I mean, did you finish the whole drama? So I have the last episode left. That's okay. I just can't, I can't make my, I'm, I'm at the same place where Saya is for Rookie Historian, but I just, I can't force myself to watch the last episode. If I watch it, it'll be over and I'll have nothing. I'll have no more of this left. 
Yeah, but I was just like, I just couldn't stop watching because I was enjoying it so much. And I just want, and then I was like, oh, it's over. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but I think I really just loved, I mean, I, I loved how they each had a journey, but all of their journeys intersected. And every time they were going through something, the friends immediately were like, something's going on with you. What's going on? And then they would all yeah. kind of like them, the three of them and Hyobang would like get together and you know, have a strategy. Like there's one portion, I don't remember if this is in the last episode, where they're talking in whispers. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that was that was I, I great. Was, oh my god. That was that was so amazing. Good. It was so I love how unafraid this drama is to be like just so weird. Like I think yeah. I think episode five is still my favorite episode where and it's the one where they do the presentation where he's like he's like I want to do your drama like let's do it write a synopsis I'm really good at presentations like let's do it I'm gonna do it she's like okay and then you like see him working out with like curling equipment in his apartment really athletic by the way so into it and then like they go and he like completely bombs the presentation in the most spectacular way possible (laughs) it's so unexpected but it's so good and then that whole thing with like the way and then it's so funny but then at the same time you're seeing them coming up against this like why would anybody watch a show about women there's no cliffhangers like why would people come back every week and they're like literally justifying their own drama while also justifying the drama that's within the drama like it's it's just and it keeps doing that it's amazing yeah it does such a good job of being cheerleaders to a new type of storytelling mm-hmm. within the uh, current industry that I was just throughout, I was like, ah, like it, it starts with Imju's script, which has a, a way of writing that traditional, the traditional writers don't understand. That's because her, her mentor read it and she she felt the pull of it, but she was like, well, what is this language? Hmm. This is not how you're supposed to write. Like she, this is not, yeah, she enjoyed yeah. it, but then she like hated it and she was jealous at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but also I, I loved I loved her, uh, the, the older writer's character. I really liked her. Me too. Like, By the end, yeah. I loved her. Uh, so it starts with Jinju's uh, script and then it, it goes around like people hear about it and then it, it falls into uh, Bomsu's hand and he loves it and he really wants to do it. And again, I didn't expect to love him as much as I did by the end. Man, he was like initially uh, when he was doing that super confident, arrogant director. I know, it was like, oh, what a jerk. Yeah, but like because because it's... Anche Hong playing that joke. I was like, ah, cute, but what a joke. I know. And then, like, he just becomes more and more of a teddy bear. And by the end, you're just like, can I take you oh. home? No, but not even the end. That moment when he took the guitar from her and 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 sang uh, uh the 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 shampoo song. I was yes. like, um, you wow, can... like, yeah, ah. she was falling for him, and so were we. Oh my god, yeah. The other thing that I need to say is that um I'm addicted to Sanzaku, which is the guy who plays the um the yelling director, the weirdo. Oh. That Unjung has like a sort of thingy going on with by the end. Oh my god, who is he? Like can can I see a drama with him in the lead? Yeah, I think okay, so uh, when 
I was watching this on Vicky, right? And as soon as his character, like pretty much from the first scene, as soon as his character came on, the comments were like, "What else has he done? Why isn't he in more things? Why haven't he? Seen? Why it hasn't <laughs> got the proper billings?" I know. Oh my god, he's cuts. I think he's the most instantly charismatic actor I think I've ever seen. Oh my, and he's so weird. I mean, he's so weird. Yeah. That scene where he sends her the pictures. And then he's like, delete them. Oh my god, that whole that whole texting conversation, everything about their dynamic was just I was dying from beginning yeah. to end. I just wanted to watch them at a certain point and nothing else. So the weird thing is, he's apparently been in a bunch of things, and most recently I've seen him in Designated Survivor: Sixty Days. And now that I see the name here, I know which character he played. He played this really smarmy agent guy in in the in the Blue House. Yeah, obviously his character was nothing like this, so it wasn't charisma to this extent. I guess you have to wait for those particular characters that bring out that level of magnetism. Yeah. Right? So yeah, some with sometimes it's like the chemistry of an actor with a character. Like do you remember the secretary Kim character from Secret Garden? Yeah. That I actor do. was so good in that role and it was so he was so funny and then I didn't see him in anything after that that really struck me in the same way. So Yeah. But I'm definitely going to watch whatever he does next. So, any final thoughts about this drama? I, I could talk about this a lot more, Anissa. I don't know if I can wrap it up in six minutes. <laughs> I know, but we can't go on forever, unfortunately. Okay. Um, final thoughts would be that, my God, this cast was amazing. What, what, like, what nations did they save to get <laughs> this bunch of people? <laughs> Like, given what they showed us of the casting process in the drama, clearly it's really difficult to get people that you want to cast in these, you know, like like your perfect cast often doesn't come together the way you want them to. Mm. But they did an amazing job. I loved all the characters here. I don't have a single complaint. I can just gush about this drama. I mean, yeah, I, it had that feeling of everybody's living their own life and you're just getting to see them. That is yep. pretty rare, and it reminds me of shows like The Jealousy Incarnate Writer does the, those kind of shows really well. There are some writers who do a really good job, but this was written and directed by the same person, Lee Byung-han. So I'm very impressed, especially that it, like, it was written by a man, because yeah. he is so smart about like women and women's relationships that like kudos to him. And I'm like definitely going to go watch his movies now. There is a second uh, writer build, though, uh, Kim Young-Young. And uh, my drama list says it's a woman. And and Brie Miller Dramatic is her first billing. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, I hope they do more stuff together because this was amazing. Yeah. And and as just like before we uh, uh, finish off, I just want to say I'm really glad. uh, I'm really happy with the way this drama dealt with Eun Jung's grief and, and her need for uh psychological help yes and that her friends were supportive and there and that they suggested that she get help at the right time because sometimes you have to wait for the right time mm. and i just i love the whole process it was like, really um, well handled i agree yeah. yes we're always um in support of people seeking psychological help on screen in a healthy way yeah okay, okay. I'm sad to say goodbye to this show, but we have to. Uh, 
Yeah, but this again, you know, like more than any other show, I I would actually get proper joy out of rewatching this because the meta stuff just keeps coming at you more and more uh, on rewatches. I know I'm going to get more out of this on a rewatch. Oh, and the thing that I want to mention before we go is like the quotes at the end of each episode. Oh yeah, they were all like I would I should have like written them all down. They were so good, so 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 well done. Just ah, uh, the dialogue was just. I know the the whole literary bent of the dry dialogue, how dry the humor was, everything was just perfect. Okay, we have to stop, or we'll never never stop yeah. talking. About it. It's only been two hours, so guys, it's really late right now. Sorry, no yak jokes this time either. <laughs> But we'll see you in uh, a week or two, I guess, in the next episode. And good night and goodbye for now. All right, guys. Go watch Mellow's My Nature if you haven't seen it. Yes, strongly recommend. Bye. Okay, bye guys. Yes. Bye. bye.